Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and Oscar Race Checkpoint for you all as we are recording this on the 21st of December. It is Christmas week. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and yours if you celebrate or if you're celebrating anything this week. The Oscars, the Academy, is celebrating the release of the shortlists, the much-anticipated shortlists. I think we have nine categories to run through and go over tonight, Michael. I uh, look forward to this day every year. It's when all my nerddom comes to a head, <laughs> my dorkiness. Mm-hmm. My geek, my geekiness, <laughs> and uh, it's validated in right. one opening segment of a Mike, Mike, and Oscar episode. So I'm thrilled for that. <laughs> However, I'm like, I gotta admit it. If I say some wonky stuff today, it's because yeah. like I am so over. Like I, I hope you guys, I hope you guys are are getting past the pre-Christmas sprint. Uh, or you're you're dealing with it okay because I am probably not, and Mike just had to talk me off the ledge before the today's episode. So I I don't want to pretend otherwise, and I want mm. you to realize how crazy I probably am, just yeah. in general, right off the top here. So anything can happen this episode, anything at all. I don't know what, but I, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy to be talking to you at least. And I'm not going to be editing it on top of it, so you'll hear no cuts, raw format. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, we're going to get through the shortlist here. There were some surprises. There's more people upset about things than I think either you or I are about anything within these lists, which mm-hmm. is unique. Well, I mean, you took 92, 91 films and you turned it into 15 in the case of international features. So right off the hop here, I mean, it is a large cut. So, yeah, we're going to have some snubs and certainly a lot of misses. So let's start there. The Oscar shortlist for international feature going in alphabetical order here. A uh, shout out to Clayton Davis from Variety. He was the first article I saw, and this is where the uh, the list I copied from. But a lot of great pundits out there are, are doing the same. All Quiet on the Western Front. That's Germany submission. Argentina, nineteen eighty five. That's I mean you're not going to believe this. That's Argentina's submission. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truth, that's Mexico's submission. Those three are also Critics' Choice noms in the international feature category. We have Cairo Conspiracy from Sweden, The Blue Captain from Morocco, Close from Belgium, which is also a Critics' Choice nom, Corsage from Austria, Decision to Leave from South Korea, that's a Critics' Choice nom, EO from Poland, that's a Donkey nom, Holy Spider from Denmark, Joyland from Pakistan, Last Film Show from India, The Quiet Girl from Ireland, Return to Seoul from Cambodia, and Saint Omer from France. Those are your 15 Oscar shortlists for the international feature category. So look at I was actually... I was actually looking at this list saying, okay, most of the movies I thought would be in here are in here. Alcaraz was an omission. There's some. There's a few more that I'll get to. Uh, I think films are a surprise, like Cairo Conspiracy, The Blue Calf Can, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yes, Last Film shows a bit of a surprise that kind of validates 
India for choosing last. Yeah, film that show better have made the short list over <laughs> RRR, which yeah. is going to get nominated everywhere else. But like the biggies are here, and when I say biggies, I mean the films that that made a splash on the film festival circuit and that have been making a splash with the the nominations early or with some early awards. Like Return to Soul just won Boston, and here it is. Uh, Saint Omer was a big hit in in New York. Holy Spider was a big hit in Cannes. EO's been a big hit everywhere. Close, Michael. Uh, Corsage, Decision to Leave were two films that I saw at the New York Film Festival. I'm going to review Bardo later in the episode. Like the biggies, Argentina 1985, and of course the movie Mike's about to talk about. They're mostly here in this category, and everybody's mad at me for saying that in this tone of voice right now because so many (laughs) others got snubbed. (laughs) Well, All Quiet on the Western Front is the one you were alluding to, and that may have had the biggest day out of any film uh, Mm -hmm. to to speak of in all these categories in the shortlist. We're going to get into all of it, but that may have just made itself Netflix's award centerpiece out of nowhere. Uh, We're going to hear that name. That shows up in five different shortlist categories here, pretty much every shortlist it could have been. You talked about uh, the last film show, kind of saved face for India there, Mm -hmm. because that was the pick over RRR. Uh, RRR, I wonder if it has some residual damage because last film show was picked, because RRR got snubbed in a couple shortlist categories. I wonder if it was India's official submission, if that would have been different for RRR today um i don't you know you're more more in tune with the international feature category overall than i am but it's just as an outsider and a pundit right now looking at this the bigger surprise i have is at the critics choice level than it is the oscar shortlist level because like you said eo to me has a stronger resume than bardo and bardo is the one that makes the cut at critics choice eo gets left on the outside even though eo's won a couple categories outside of just international film categories it won cinematography at lafka it won best composer at can it was a jury prize winner at can as well i would have thought that gets there but both of them show up here on the short list anyway i'm just surprised to see bardo at the critics choice because we saw a lot of critics come out and say not so great things about bardo when that movie was released new york was uh, big on eo with the film critic circle and the uh, online. Mm. Otherwise, yes, I would say, I would say the critics' choice. They they pick the critical favorites. I'm going out on a limb there. Don't uh, don't quote me on that. <laughs> uh, but like you know, the the juries come from you know the makeup at, at festivals that for that is the juries are typically a lot of actors and actresses and and filmmakers. And yeah, there's some critics sometimes, but uh, th- those are small groups. So. It's hard to it's hard to put a lot of stock in the in the festival juries always, but look at I think I think EO uh, being here is 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 a big deal. It's got a shot. Uh, it's a, it's it sounds like a, a, an academy type of pick. They mm-hmm. like they like to they like to go that route sometimes where they you like get their animals. Yeah, and you and you know what? It's not always going to be. There's just the big name, big studio films that got picked up and that got the 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 red carpet rollout. Bardo feels like like a critic's choice nominee. That makes sense to me. It it, it does, especially the the cut of it and the way that just filmed a midlife crisis for two hours and forty minutes. And I I understand how that works. Uh, but I mean, look at I think uh, I th- I'm glad to see Decision to Leave here. That's my Same. favorite in the category. I love that rewatch. My God, was that good. Uh, you gotta, you gotta check that one out, Mike, yep. on movie. That might be as soul, a, a soul crushing kind of watch to where you would love it. I think you've I, been. I'm very excited to see it. Any, <laughs> anyway, two like two sentimental favorites for me: Girl Picture 
I believe that's Finland, and I'm very upset that Girl Picture is not here. I'm not surprised that Girl Picture is not here. That's that might be a top ten film on the year for me. I saw it at Sundance. You were very high on it when you reviewed it for us. Yeah, I was hoping that would go the distance, but I realized it did not make a lot of noise since then. And then a movie I saw two Sundances ago, one for the road, not here either. I thought that was really well done. Uh, Boy from Heaven, War Sailor, Nostalgia, Mars One, Utama, Klondike, January, You Won't Be Alone, Eternal Spring. Those were kind of the films that I had my eye on. Maybe they had they would have a shot as well. All movies that I've seen uh, in the last stretch there that I was uh, thinking the Academy could go for. But no, I mean, they still got the bit. Like Close could have... Uh, coattails all quiet decision to leave they all could have coattails into other categories i'm not sure that all quiet is necessarily going to be that best picture contender like you're you're hoping right now for two reasons what do you mean by contender well to get in because it's going to be two reasons i i do think there's a race in international feature right now typically when a movie gets a best picture nomination it is it is kind of the favorite in the international feature, and everybody can galvanize sure. behind it yep. as a double potential double winner. We we saw it with Cold War the year that uh, Parasite was involved, I believe, or the Roma was involved. Now I'm forgetting. I believe it was Roma actually. Cold War was also involved, but Roma was the default double nominee, whereas Cold War got other nominee nominations in, in cinematography and director, but not a best picture nom. That's where I'm guessing All Quiet on the Western Front will be. It'll be an international feature plus maybe a crossover nom or two. Like you're saying, it's in the shortlist. But the second reason is that it's shortlist. It's not a nomination yet. So, I mean, yes, it's still alive. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go and get nominated at the end of the day. I just mean that 10th spot is pretty wide open still for picture, that 10th nomination slot. And just going off of what... uh what seems to be happening recently is that they like the Academy likes having an international feature representation in the best picture category. And you're right. Best uh, international feature, certainly not a runaway at this point. Um, just, yeah, but you, you got to go back and think, I agree with you in, in this sense. If it's a contender and a cross nominee and a bunch of categories, that makes sense. And, and it's being widely seen. But it's kind of rare that you get a Best Picture nominee that would not, therefore, be the default winner in its own category, <laughs> you know? And maybe oh, that no, would I, be the I agree. I agree with that. I mean, if it's going to show up in Best Picture, you would think that's going to be a giveaway for how International Feature is going to play out. Yeah. And it's won nothing anywhere as of right. now. So I, I'm surprised to hear that. I would be surprised if All Quiet on the Western Front just starts to take everything. Because Close, Decision to Leave, and EO, it's been spread out. And I, I, I kind of think that international feature, Return to Soul, of course. Do you think there's been a big, a big rush to see All Quiet on the Western Front yet? Because Netflix clearly hasn't, you know, Netflix thought White Noise was going to be its awards player this year. And now they kind of have this on a platter. If they turn all their devices, all their marketing rifles onto pushing All Quiet on the Western Front instead, I mean, there is a possibility that it just hasn't been seen widespread yet and this could be the propeller to do that i think there's a push to for the academy to watch all quiet on the western front and the fact that it's in all these shortlists says that they did right i mean it's very obvious i think all quiet on the western front i think you'd agree with me we both reviewed it 
it's on the level. I mean, it's worthy, right? I mean, it's oh sure, it's a good grade. From I, it's, the both of us. it's better than some of the front runners for best picture right now. <laughs> so we're we're in on it. I, yeah. I think we both endorse the academy going in that direction. I just maybe that's where my homerism comes into play. Even though this is the first time I've ever been a homer for a, G- a German film, but okay, <laughs> I think uh, I think All Quiet on the Western Front has work to do. And sure. my advice to Netflix is, hey, go for the go for the international feature category. Don't don't shoot too high and miss. They've done that so many times before. I guess what do they have to lose to just give it best? And in this case, getting in the best picture category would just be the win, right? Because it's not going to win best picture, most likely. But yeah. they are all. I mean, they're stretched seemingly thin because pinocchio is kind of there but pinocchio should just be worried about that little shell with shoes on right now pinocchio should be worried about <laughs> that big giant kaiju a bear mm-hmm. you know and and that fluffy baby bear movie right. that was adorable about mother da- mothers and daughters so turning right. red you know i mean i i i think netflix should try to win first and foremost their own categories and and i hate to put it like that but that's like the brass tacks of an awards campaigning type of deal right i mean it's yes i think these movies in my opinion are good enough to be top 10 on the year they're they're right now in contention on my top 10 but yeah it's it's just the the politicking of it right yeah that's usually how these things end up going that's that's a year-to-year thing but all quiet on the western front will be heard a couple more times throughout this episode it will not be heard in the next category the next shortlist for original song uh running these down quick we have time from the movie amsterdam nothing is lost you give me strength from avatar the clone wars lift me up from black panther wakanda forever that was a critics choice nom as well this is a life from everything everywhere all at once Ciao Papa from Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That was a Critics' Choice nom. Till You're Home from A Man Called Otto. Not Natu Natu from RRR. That was a Critics' Choice nom. My Mind and Me from Selena Gomez. My Mind and Me. Good Afternoon from Spirited. Applause from Tell It Like a Woman. Stand Up from Till. Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. That was a Critics' Choice nom. Dust and Ash from The Voice of Dust, Dust and Ash. Easy for me to say. Carolina from Taylor Swift and Where the Crawdads Sing. That was a Critics' Choice nom. New Body Roomba from White Noise. That was a Critics' Choice nom as well those are your original song shortlist all right so cross-checking my snubs and misses here nothing from the critics choice but nobody like you from turning red billy eilish and phineas mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be there uh we have uh love is not love from billy eichner uh and bros and you made it feel like home from trent reznor atticus ross from bones and all those are the only ones. This was another kind of chalk category, yep. I would say. Did 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 film Twitter have rage for this one, Michael? Not that I saw. I mean, Clayton actually had the same take I had, which was my take last year, which is like, just just do this, Academy. Like, if Critics' Choice is going to have Lady Gaga, you know, uh, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, like, the Academy should hope, LCD Sound System, the Academy should hope that's what the Academy five is for original song or four of those five anyway, because that's where you can draw in viewers. If you get Taylor Swift and Rihanna and Selena Gomez, maybe and Lady Gaga and LCD sound system all to perform on the same night during the same show. Yeah. You could bring in a lot of eyes with those performances. I don't know why original song every year. Isn't just that type of angle, especially, I mean, at least in years where there's no, I don't know. Do we have like a a hands down leader to you in this category, a front runner that's no doubt should be the leader. I don't see one. I mean, there's a couple you can pick from, but they're all, you know, it's the Rihanna song. It's the Lady Gaga song. It's the Taylor Swift song to me. 
I think the Not Too Not Too song is my sleeper in this category. It's been for a long time. I think people will love that. That'd be fun, uh, on yeah. On repeat, they will love to award that, certainly on the day. It'd be fun to see performed live, too. It's going to be a blast with those guys, as athletic and, and tremendously talented as they are, uh, if, if they can get them in the house there. Obviously, got big names in terms of Gaga, Rihanna, as those likely contenders that you're referring to, Mike, and... Is that gonna is that gonna go to the distance? Or obviously Taylor Swift Swift is gonna be a strong pull for the Academy just to you know vote her out. I mean, come on, you you want Taylor Swift at the Oscars? I mean, especially of the course. way this, this year is going. I, uh, otherwise, I mean, the coattails for everything, everywhere, all at once. They're present here, even though it didn't have the best of days overall. I would say, like, Good Afternoon is a sentimental favorite for me. I love that song, Inspirited. It basically means go F yourself in old English. (laughs) You got Diane Warren, I believe, alive. Does that tell it like a woman from Applause? I believe it's Diane Warren. I don't know. Oh, God, Diane Warren. I don't have the performers written down here. Anyway, uh, yeah, tell it like a woman's Diane mm. Warren. So she has another chance to lose. <laughs> well, she got her honorary Oscar. She got her time, honorary so. Oscar. Her. And back to the loser circle. <laughs> how uh, how happy are you going to be when Amsterdam is a two-time Oscar nominee? I mean, we had it, a $90 million <laughs> budget or something for that movie. Yeah, I think it was 80, but yeah, sure. Doesn't Good matter. God. A big number. I'm sure they lost at least eight, uh, 90, uh, but, but more likely they lost, what, $150 million Yeah, on that something like that. movie at the end of the day. Just awful, awful box office and uh, awful movie, uh, especially for the last two hours. Look, in terms of my sentimental favorite, New Body Rumba, me and Andrew Morgan do our groceries to that every week. <laughs> Just And we have no... No well, that hesitation. Could be, that could be what you too was supposed to be last year for the older folk. We'll get LCD sound system in here. They can tear it down still. Uh, you got uh, Talking Heads everywhere, everything everywhere. David Byrne, everything ever all at once. For, for yeah, I mean, you got the white guy favorites. You got all kinds of cool move, uh, cool songs in here. So that and instead is, of any of those, we're going to get Chow Papa from Pinocchio, <laughs> just screaming in that Oliver twi- Twist. <laughs> hellscape boys <laughs> the only two people on this planet who dislike that movie are on that this podcast was easily chow papa was easily the best song from Guillermo yes del, per, by far. del toro's pinocchio and p- perhaps the best part of the movie so i, I, I agree I, with that as well yeah i enjoyed that song most of all so if, if that song gets nominated worst songs have been nominated at the academy awards as we've covered on this podcast michael there's a stance we can take. <laughs> I've seen it's not worse. the worst. <laughs> this is how you know we've been doing this for a long time. I mean, other podcasts are so pleasant and happy, and they're just like, I love this, and I love that, and I love this other thing. And, oh, I'm so sad about this other thing. But you and me are like, this is terrible. That's worse than terrible. Right. What's to be worse fair, than worse than terrible? Because they're like that. Is why we are like we are. <laughs> oh, we're we're like Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro from Raging Bull half the time, and the other time we're like Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro from The Irishman. There's just two options. There's two levels of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Those two levels. 
Will Pesci and De Niro our way over to original scores Oscar shortlist. All Quiet on the Western Front and those three notes do make an appearance here. Uh, Avatar The Way of Water, Simon Franklin. Volker Bertelman is All Quiet on the Western Front's composer. Simon Franklin for Avatar The Way of Water, Episode 3, The Sith Strikes Back. Babylon, <laughs> Paramount Pictures, Justin Hurwitz. That was a critic's choice. Now, Banshees of Inishirin from Searchlight. That's Carter Burwell. That's here. Black Panther Wakanda Forever from Ludwig Gornson. That's here. Devotion, Shonda Dancy. Could be the first black woman composer ever nominated in this category should she find herself nominated at the Oscars. That's incredibly cool there for Devotion and Shonda Dancy. Uh, again, you know, mm-hmm. what the hell took so long, but hey, at least we're here. Don't worry, darling. John Powell, everything, everywhere, all at once. Son Lux. The Fableman's from John Williams. That was a Critics' Choice nom. Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery from Nathan Johnson. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio from Alexandra Desplat. That was a Critics' Choice nom. Nope, from Michael Abel's. Like to see that here. She Said from Nicholas Bertel. The Woman King from Terrence Blanchard. And Women Talking from Hildur Guanadentier. That was a Critics' Choice nom as well. All right, so Tar and the Batman missed then, Michael. Yes. Which is, it hurts my heart, and mm-hmm. maybe it helps the ears of our listeners, as I don't get to shout Michael Giacchino's name, but the Batman was the one of the two big WTF things I saw on film Twitter, uh, as far as misses go. There was a lot of people who were very upset that the Batman score did not make the shortlist, as a lot of, them, a lot of people thought, apparently, that it was a slam dunk for nomination. I, look, I know we're, we're score deaf a lot. I, I, I like to think I'm not as deaf. As some people We're working on it, we're getting yeah, better. Yeah, but it. like I don't remember the Batman having a score that blew me away compared it, to some of these other names. I remember the teaser more. It was it was the big operatic thing. It was you know it was uh, it, it was the bark was louder than the bite. Let's yeah. just say because he would walk up through the rain and the score would be just booming. Right, and then he would do stuff that would be kind of cool. I don't know. I just not as big. Again, this episode bring out the worst in me. I got to re-shit all over the same films that I didn't like as much as I should have. All right, look at. I think women talking. Women talking seems like an obvious contender. The Fablemen certainly. Guillermo Toro's Pinocchio, like we're saying, Justin Hurwitz. Those four. I would be very shocked if they if any of them miss at the end of the day. The Banshees seems like an Academy types nomination. In terms of uh, Carter Burwell's one of their guys, and that makes some sense. I'm glad to see Michael Abel's here. I yep. don't think he'll get he'll get the nod. I would be I would be surprised at the end of the day. But that was a, a favorite because he did that old western thing. He did the arousing old western in that weird ass movie mm-hmm. about extraterrestrials, and I just I loved I loved that contrast. Uh, a lot of people. Didn't though, so maybe the polarization won't work there. Avatar: Attack of the Clones. <laughs> That's this has got to strike the fear of God in you that it found that it found a a, a place in this shortlist. No, I I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, it's a show of strength for Avatar overall. I I mean, was the score something that blew you away upon your watch? I certainly don't think it was for me. No. Yeah. I... <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I, I'm heartened by she said. I like that, that. That's kind of a surprise to see that making the the list here. I'm heartened by All Quiet on the Western Front, which I legitimately think should be nominated. That score Agreed. was kind of its own character in that movie. Well, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that of All Quiet on the Western Front, especially after today. Now, uh, seeing that no R R R. I saw people were upset about that. I want 
I have not seen Devotion, but I did not know that about Shonda Dancy, but now knowing that, you know, she could be the first black woman nominated in this category. Dear God, I mean, it's 2022. Can we cross that, check that box finally, please? So I, I have all the hopes in the world for her, even though I have not seen that movie. You Have you seen Devotion? You have or you haven't? I yes, remember. I like Devotion. Devotion okay. was good. Solid B, great for me. I believe I reviewed it in one of these past episodes. It's all. Was that the, uh, was that Glenn Powell or am I misremembering? Glenn Powell and Jonathan Majors. Yes. Really good. Uh, okay. Really good you midair stuff. That. Awesome yeah. VFX. I hope it shows up there. But RRR, yeah, won Boston Society and the LA Film Critics Association. That is a big mess here. Mm-hmm. That's that that hurts because RRR needs everything it can get right now. It doesn't have that international feature. Yeah, path. that's what I I wonder if if it was India's selection, if that would if things would be different because RRR missed a couple lists that people were expecting it to hit, and yeah. you know that's the only thing I can chalk it up to in my mind right now, especially considering how it's done in the precursor path thus far. It's been pretty successful. And yeah, the BAFTA, uh, the Batman or the BAFTA, has mm-hmm. won four. Imagine that movie instead. The it was Bafta. just a British guy fighting crime in Gotham. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you have seen that movie though haven't you haven't we all probably. seen that movie how many times probably anyway hair and makeup we can go to the hair and makeup uh, short list here we go All Quiet on the Western Front shows up again Amsterdam get ready to say Oscar nominated Amsterdam Michael Babylon The Batman and Black Panther Wakanda Forever alongside Elvis and The Whale those are your five critics choice noms they also show up here in hair and makeup Blonde Crimes of the Future and Emancipation are on this short list as well so the whale needed this, uh, I think, for for ter- terrifying reasons. Emancipation and All Quiet on the Western Front and Amsterdam also deserved inclusion here. For more fun reasons, I think Babylon and Black Panther and the Batman deserved uh, inclusion here. For mm-hmm. reasons that I'm just confused about, the Crimes of the Future deserves to be in makeup and hair hairstyling. And then Blonde for the hairstyling. So that's fun. Elvis for the hairstyling. That's fun. Let's yeah, go. I'm, I'm okay with all that. The biggest outcry I saw, the biggest snub I think we would both say, everything everywhere all at once makes the Critics' Choice category for hair and makeup not on the Oscars shortlist. This was kind of the first, whoa, how did that miss? Especially when you're dealing with all the different types of characters and the you know, persona changes in that. All movie. right. Well, they had, uh, they had, uh, bedhead because some of, <laughs> no, but then she had bagel head, which was wild. Right. That's what I mean. Like it was, there was actually, you could what see else, why though? that would be a player. In All right. But bagel hair, bagel hair, princess Leia, eat your heart out. I mean, they did the glitter face. Like Stephanie Sue's character probably deserved it. Just going mm-hmm. in. I agree. Everybody else kind of had frumpy bed, bedhead. Well, I don't know. I'll I don't take your apology for Miss Jamie Lee Curtis's wig in that movie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm just saying everything everywhere all at once is going to get a shower of nominations. It's it seems like does it need it here? It needs to compete in one of the techs. And the only tech after today, I think it like has a chance to talk about is editing, mm-hmm. which obviously wasn't shortlisted. But uh, it's not I don't know where it's if it picks up a, a tech along the way where it's going to go. So, yeah, I guess if you're saying just text, cinematography, it did not get, nor did it. We're going to talk about visual effects later. That mm-hmm. would make sense. So in terms of the crafts, costume design is not here. Production design is not here. But everything everywhere all at once is Critics' Choice nominated in costume design and production design. So hair and makeup is a miss. And we'll talk about VFX in a little bit. So yeah, all right. I could see I could see what you're saying. I'm just I'm a little um I'm a little hesitant to underestimate 
everything. Well, my, 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 I don't know what you want to call it. Hypothesis. I guess my stance was, look, I, I don't, you know, everything everywhere all at once could win best picture, obviously still clearly. But I think today was a wake up call to a lot of people who are on film Twitter saying that it's the front runner. And there's a reason Vegas has not put it as odds on the front runner. Right. I think the best picture race should still be wide open. I don't think as much as you like everything everywhere. And as much as I liked it initially, and then I rewatched it with my parents and that was a harrowing experience (laughs) just for the record. I have to rewatch it a third time. Yeah. They, they did not like the butt stuff. Well, Which is, uh, I, I, guess, I don't know what to think. But anyway, that the butt stuff is going to turn people off for everything everywhere, I think. So they Just taking they a wild guess. They weren't wooed by the rock stuff? <laughs> what? The, the rocks? The, the rock, the yeah, and the, the editing's camera. a bit uh, scattershot. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, it was it was an awkward rewatch. It really was. I enjoyed the first watch much more than the rewatch. Well, I was smitten with the first watch, as were, was you. Exactly why I'll never watch it again, so long as I live on this earth. Uh, <laughs> you could just keep that first feeling. So, and it, but so, I, but bottom line is everything, everywhere, all at once. Already pot positioned after the Critics' Choice shower of nominations, at least in terms of film Twitter, as the favorite, and already vetoed in a few respects. That is something to point out. You're and right. the Woman King. I mean, it's worth mentioning. Woman King has been struggling. We thought hair and makeup was one of its sure locks for nomination it doesn't even make the short list that's a bummer. woman king had a rough day as well that's a bummer woman king is stocked down unfortunately yeah. just this this whole month bummer yeah we'll move on to the uh short list we will talk about vfx now and yeah it's it's everything everywhere all at once is is missing from here mm. all quiet on the western front makes it avatar the star wars pun is in here the batman black panther wakanda forever along with top gun maverick those are four critics choice noms in the category that made it here uh, the rest of the Critics' Choice missed out. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them, The Secrets of Dumbledore, The Clone Wars, Part 3, Episode 4. That made it. Jurassic World Dominion makes it. Nope makes it. Love to see that. And 13 Lives makes an appearance here for the Oscar shortlist for VFX. Well, as is... Uh, oh, you said Top Gun Maverick already. Yeah. Say it again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Everything, everywhere, all at once, an RRR. Critics' choice noms that don't make the short list here, and that's, again, RRR, kind of a bummer to see, and then everything, everywhere, all at once. Look, if you're going to predicate half of your marketing on giving people sausage fingers because you went through making actual sausage fingers for your movie <laughs> for one of the biggest scenes, to not even be on the short list for VFX, again, it's just, I like, it can win Best Picture, clearly. I just... There's a reason people say film Twitter isn't real life when it comes to the industry and punditry. And, and everything everywhere all at once is working against just some enormous productions here. That's where the low fi against the high sci-fi special effects. I mean, these are 200 300 million dollar films. Avatar subsequent movie film is a Avatar's not winning the 250 million dollar budget, right? Th- this category, this branch which has historically always leaned practical, is going to overlook Top Gun Maverick in this category for Avatar? There's my boy. <laughs> yeah, my boy, Blue. Well, I mean, I'm serious. Like, If Top Gun always Maverick... always go towards the practical effects teams. If Top Gun Maverick is in it, it, could, it should win it. And I agree with you. I agree with you. And I hope they do too. However, we haven't seen deepfakes that c- convincing 
in the history of cinema either, in my opinion. You got to play some Final Fantasy games. <laughs> you feel like, oh, I've seen this before. I, I don't know. I'm watching that screen. I'm like, I just like, like want to touch it. I'm like the old time movie watcher, the first time movie watcher ever watching a train come at the screen and I'm <laughs> running away because I think, anyway, I, I just think they're real. I, I can't distinguish. So that's that's just me coming out of Avatar. Everything else I despised about it. Don't worry, Mike. Good. Good. <laughs> Everything, everywhere I despised about Avatar. Nope, I'm very heartened to see here. I mean, to talk it about practical effects and stuff and how much campaigning Jordan Peele has either intentionally or unintentionally been doing on behalf of getting that nominated in the VFX category. In my opinion, if, if I'm picking my five, it's Top Gun, it's Nope, it's Black Panther, uh, it's, it's Avatar The Way of Water, sorry. I'm fine with it being. I'm fine. Like I said during our review, I, if you want to tell me that it's going to compete for the, I get it. That's I'm cool with it. And then I'm 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 guessing the Academy will pick the Batman, but I'm probably pounding the table for Doctor Strange. That's just me. If I'm going you, with the computer, I'm. I, I feel like I'm much higher on All Quiet on the Western Front than you are, huh? I just don't think the effects are on that level. I'm I'm higher. I'm A high tank on going it. over and actually dug out trench doesn't do it for you. Yeah, it's again. You're 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 like the academy, I guess. You're you're going on for the practical. Yeah. I just when you when you put the cosmos and the multiverse on screen for me, and, and you convince me that it's real, I'm I'm in. I don't know. Mm. I get it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. RRR not getting here is a bummer though, because you all those animals diving mm. onto the uh, unsuspecting crowd at that uh, that party. Oh my God, beautiful. I'd never seen anything like it. It was so fun, slow motion, and again, convincing enough. Uh, your men movie didn't get in here, Michael. <laughs> the butt puke didn't get nominated. <laughs> that is sad. You're right. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, where is men? When is someone going to stand up for men? Is the tagline of <laughs> Elvis not here? So that's a that's a bummer if that had. What co- would Elvis photos. have been here for? Just because of Tom Hanks's dripping face dripping off him? Oh, that you're on LSD watching that. Elvis didn't get makeup and hair either. Or no, it did get makeup and hair. Darn it. Yeah. El- uh, that might hold it back. What? Be- what? <laughs> because Job of the Hanks isn't the best makeup. <laughs> I hope that wins Best Picture. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not against that. There's there's that uh, scuttlebutt going around. Mm-hmm. I'm not against that necessarily. He I was like, really good. Austin uh, Butler was really good on SNL. I I wanted to ask you about that. So he was, well, he was funny or he was emotional in his monologue. I didn't watch the monologue. It, it was somebody was saying they were crying watching the monologue. He he paid a nice tribute. I mean, it was like a three sentence tribute, but it was a very sweet and touching tribute at the end to uh, his mother. And he was saying how you know she did everything for him and that if she could see him now, how proud she would be. And, you know, he was always a shy kid growing up and now he gets to be up, play all these goofy characters on TV and it's all thanks to her. And it was like, it was very nice. It was very sweet, but yeah, he was fun. He plays an old Jewish woman in a skit skit for that was called Jewish Elvis. It's hysterical. (laughs) He should win the Oscar for that alone. All right. Sounds good. All right. So I I watch Austin Butler's SNL then is your recommendation. Good. Good. That's uh. That's my take on the visual effects shortlist. All right, I'll I'll <laughs> jump in here with the documentary shortlist because uh, I've watched most of these. All that breathes. Ah, I don't understand the love for this movie. I'm a little 
I'm a little taken aback because I love these brothers. I love that they're helping these birds. It's a strange movie. The pacing on it is very odd. Anyway, all the beauty and the bloodshed. I'm in for this. That tells like three documentaries in one. What a life Nan Golden's had. Bad Axe, IFC Films. I haven't seen that yet. Children of the Mist. This was like at New Director's New Films, I believe, in New York City. So this is a cool pull. Descendant on Netflix. Andrew and I have reviewed that one. That is intense. That is worthwhile. Talk about a movie about a community that deserves to be seen. Fire of Love perhaps has the most astounding archival footage that's ever been put on film. Never mind uh, nominated here about volcanoes, certainly about the scary smoky ones and the red happy ones, which is something, a distinction I learned after watching Fire of Love. Uh, Avatar, Leonard Cohen, A Journey of Song. Avatar again. Show- oh, hallelujah. No. <laughs> but about as rousing. I did. I don't understand this one. This is a Tribeca premiere, and this is a, look, I love that song, Hallelujah, from Shrek, right? And it got its second life. This was a boring-ass documentary. What are they doing? Uh, I guess they can take they can take a slow pace, these documentaries. I don't even remember that being in Shrek. You saying that was in Shrek, I thought was a joke at first. Hallelujah, the song uh, in Shrek 2 it might be. I, I believe I, it's Shrek 2. It's at the I church have not scene. Seen, I, that's fine. How dare <laughs> I you? I haven't seen Shrek. You haven't movies. done your Shrek movie rewatch before yeah, Push and Moon's The Last Wish? <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, Hidden Letters. I'm regretting not seeing this. On multiple occasions, I had a screener. I was at Tribeca. I didn't see it yet, so I need to now. A house made of splinters. Again, I'm I'm slacking there as well. About uh, I believe the uh, anyway. It's about childcare in Russia, I think, and it's it's going to be a, a harrowing documentary. The Janes. I did watch that on HBO. Call Janes, another movie about the same subject mm-hmm. this year, and uh, watch those. those. Those are important. Last Flight Home. I just watched on Paramount Plus. Good. God, that is a that is a hard sit. Moonage Daydream is the happiest movie ever about uh, David Bowie, about the artistic process. Go see it in IMAX. I hope they re-release it again. Freaking rocks. Navalny is perhaps my number one documentary of the year about the Russian politician that has taken it to Putin yeah. and has paid some dire consequences. That's been on HBO Max for a while. Came out last Sundance. Retrograde is about the final weeks of the conflict in Afghanistan before the Taliban took over. I just watched that one a couple weeks ago via a screener. It's now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, The Territory, also now on Disney+. Plus. I have not watched that yet. I've had multiple opportunities. I need to do it. So those are my snapshot documentary shortlist reviews. But we have a big snub, Michael. Yeah, the outrage was over Goodnight Oppie not making the list here and uh, had some wins along the precursor road. You and I both were not, we did not understand why people were so sure this would be nomination. So this means five out of uh, five out of the seven Critics' Choice, or is it four out of the six? Critics' Choice doc- Documentary Award winners have now been snubbed as nominees <laughs> at the Oscars. So forevermore. We will take that (laughs) award with a grain of salt. Uh, And it's been some favorites of ours year in, year out. Good night, Oppie. In our younger selves, we might have been smitten by this movie more than this year. Are we, are we, are our hearts hardened in this category, Michael? Probably, but that's kind of where I landed. Like, okay, 
this cat, this branch does what it always does, which is left of its own devices every year, and it doesn't like the front runners, and it doesn't like archival footage. And that's a movie, Goodnight Oppie. That's a documentary that is mostly archival footage, mostly created footage. I ne- I didn't understand for those reasons alone why it would be there. And if our, if Apollo Eleven had its back turned on it by this branch, I didn't. I mean, Goodnight Oppie's. It doesn't keep your interest for all for its entire runtime. I didn't understand if Apollo Eleven wasn't going to make nomination, then yeah, I'm not that surprised to see Goodnight Oppie fail to make the shortlist. And yet again, we make everybody angry with our whatever <laughs> <laughs> because people love that movie. I, and I think, I think it ultimately pays off. It just had an odd structure, especially to Act One. And you're right, it, get, it gets lost in Act Two a bit. And I, I, I really, I really thought it was. It was a strange tact, let's just say, uh, to structure that film and to yada, 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 some things that I think could have been a lot of fun, especially in more of a miniseries format. A docuseries for Goodnight Oppie made more sense to me. Anyway, uh, some some of my snubs in the category, I love Bitterbrush about the cowgirls up in uh, yeah. the American West. I love Stutz, jo- Jonah Hill's mm-hmm. hilarious tete-a-tete with his therapist and and, that same token were you surprised to see senior miss i was not that surprised i was telling you in a pre-show that that felt like that felt like the documentary branch would reject it because it seems a bit you know star they don't go for the stars like unless it's an obama produced documentary they don't go for the stars necessarily always i think they get more starstruck by the music docs than the hollywood docs they, there's a bit of an uphill battle there. So Robert Downey Jr. making a, a really sweet tribute to his father and also a, a unique end-of-life examination. They kind of did that with Last Flight Home, though, and they kind of hit that subject hard with Last Flight Home. Aftershock, to me, is a big snub. Sydney is a big snub. The princess I was I was rooting for about Princess Diana. So those those are my snubs at the end of the day. And by the way, I watched my old school on Hulu. I was shocked by that plot line. That was one of those twisters. If you want to watch one of those mystery documentaries, we did one a couple years back that that this reminded me of about the remember the triplets, Mike? Three identical strangers. Three identical strangers. My old school gave me similar vibes. It was oh, I have to check it out. It was kind of a fun watch. I, I don't know if you'll love it or hate it. Where did you watch it? Hulu. Okay. So check that out. It's a weird, weird watch, but I kind of got a kick out of it. It's about high school life, and it's fun. I've Uh, realized that's what I need from you, by the way, and I'm much mm -hmm. more uh, uh, adept at keeping up with my watching. If I just have you, like, giving me a list of what to watch and, like, what's available to watch on VOD right now and where to find it, I can just check it But we've done this dance before where you're just like, you get mad at me if it's not the best movie ever. And then you text right, me, but so I I'm afraid I wa- to recommend I'm not films talking about to you. you giving me recommendations. I'm talking about you just telling me literally, this is available now. Just go seek it out. So you want me to be your just watch. Or what's the Correct. other? <laughs> <laughs> if I don't have enough on my plate, I got to be your just. Why... Did Wildcat get in? I was looking for uh, No, Wildcat no. didn't get no. in. All right. That was going to be on my watch list. And that's that one something. Uh, otherwise, nothing compares. I, I understand why that one didn't get in. That was kind of a rough sit, long sit. To even you. though Sinead O'Connor does, uh, she's she's a hero of many. Which again, we're just trying to turn each turn uh, people against us as often as possible in this episode. 
<laughs> we got sound, Mike. Let's see if we can anger some people with the sound short ca- shortlist here. Uh, best sound Oscar shortlist. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar. The Crimes of Grindelwald is in here. <laughs> Babylon. The Batman. Black Panther. Wakanda Forever. Elvis. Everything Everywhere All at Once. Pinocchio. Moon Age Daydream. Might be a surprise to see here. And Top Gun Maverick. Those are your sound shortlist contenders. If you're keeping track, this is the fifth shortlist thus far in which All Quiet on the Western Front shows up. The only shortlist it didn't make an appearance in were the shorts. And original song, but if, you know, Zemo there burst into a rendition of 99 Luft Balloons on screen, it probably would have <laughs> shown up and sung as well. RRR, not here? No. Unfortunately for RRR. So I, the, the RRR path has always befuddled me, and I, I this is just a pundit's cross to bear. You know, it's just like... We gotta feel like it fits more paradigms, and yeah, I, I'm a little skeptical of RRR's love. I'm rooting for, it. I'm fearing for it though, because well, where's it's most likely to show up? Original right song. Original song is to me, it's most likely to show up in original song. Okay, what about second? Ever since, uh, that's hard. That's hard to say now. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. There. I don't think yeah. so. So if it's not sound, if it's not score, if it's not VFX, right? It's not any of those. Mm-hmm. It's got a tougher path now, a much tougher path. I think people go in for movies if they're an easy watch on a screener. That's a three-hour movie. It's not an easy watch as a screener. So the screener yeah, pile movies in general aren't easy watches. Let's underscore that. The screener pot. Yeah, it's something. We're saying for the first time, but I think it's important to say on this podcast, at least this once. Uh, no Woman King again in sound, which, you know, considering the fight scenes and all that that are in there in the tribute. Uh, I don't know how you want to call them religious, I guess, ex- uh, exercises that go on. I, it could have had a case for for sound, I thought. I mean, this is hmm. it's kind of sim- Woman King and everything everywhere all at once. I thought had kind of the most surprising down days from the shortlist, whereas I thought, again, All Quiet on the Western Front had probably the biggest arrow up day. Sound is always a, a category that kind of comes together later in the in the season because you don't have a lot of sound precursors in the early going. So we'll have to wait and see. I've always thought Top Gun Maverick should be the leader in the category. It, it captured the, the real thing, and it also... Probably had to you just think about how many sounds from these actual planes it had to omit. So by process of elimination, that sound mix just sounded awesome. Okay, that's fine, and I get it, and I agree. But by then, you're going to tell me the logic doesn't apply to tar when you're dealing with a full, full orchestra. You have to omit some sounds and heighten others, and make like. And then tar was never in contention for this category. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that either. So Tar has a rough day here, Michael. Yeah, the, Tar's, I don't know. Tar seems to have a lot of rough days. More yeah. rough days than good days lately. Mm. All right, well, let's let's mow through these uh, shorts and uh, I look forward to watching yeah. those, Michael. Uh, animated short, Black Slide, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. The That's all one title, by the way. The Flying Sailor, The Garbage Man, Ice Merchants, It's Nice in Here, More Than I Want to Remember, My Year of Dicks, That's New my Moon, autobiography name. New Moon uh, The Twilight Saga, uh, An Ostrich <laughs> Told Me The World is Fake and I Believe It. Oh, winner. <laughs> Passenger, Save Ralph, 
Sierra and Steakhouse. We know nothing, Lebowski. I hope it comes down to Steakhouse and an ostrich told me the world is fake and I think I believe it. I, uh, I no comment. American yeah. Justice on Trial DocuShort now. People versus Newton. Anastasia. Angola, do you hear us? Voices from a plantation prison. As far as they can run. The Elephant Whisperers, which I believe is on Netflix. The Flag Makers, which is now on Disney+. Plus. Happiness is four million pounds. Haul Out. Holding Moses. How do you measure a year? I have no idea. The, the Mar- days. <laughs> <laughs> the Martha Mitchell effect. Nuisance Bear. Finally, I recognize one. Nuisance Brother Bear. of Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Nuisance Bear has been nominated everywhere. I believe that's New York Times. I believe you can watch that soon. Uh, Shut Up and Paint. Stranger at the Gate. And finally, I have watched 38 at the Garden about Jeremy Lin, which is on HBO Max. And I recommend that. It's a good one. You are a, a lifelong Knicks fan. Yes, I am. All right. Mm-hmm. A live action short, all in favor, almost home, an Irish goodbye, Ivalu, Le Pupil, which is on uh, Disney+. Plus. Okay, uh, The Lone Wolf, Nakam, Night Ride, Plastic Killer, The Red Suitcase, The Right Words, Sideral, The Treatment, Tula, and Warsha. Warsha? Warsha. Warsha. Warsha, maybe. It might be a Polish... Uh pronunciation there yeah the shorts uh, like every year we kind of wait for these to get down to nomination time and then we dive in and, and give our thoughts on those it's tough to keep up with all the shorts especially pre uh short list time short list reveals so this is something that we, i mean they they're always chock full of exciting stuff i've watched like 30 this year nothing that i watched got nominated with the exception of the one movie i watched on hbo max <laughs> so i failed miserably and we we've failed miserably in the shorts front so we got to do a better job yeah. this year michael we got to yeah, get those done uh we're trying to make some concessions in terms of moving some things around in our programming actually to open up some spots so maybe that happens yeah, all right we gotta get on top of that michael we got some big trailers to kind of finish up with here Oppenheimer. We sh- probably should have reviewed it in the last episode because we saw this before Avatar. You know, la- it didn't play before Dragon. mine. No. <laughs> what? You're doing very well with that, by the way, this episode. I didn't mean to trample on you there. <laughs> but everybody's in Oppenheimer, and holy God, his facial expressions where he's like, I'm responsible for the end of the world, and I know that I am what responsible. What have I done? Every single shot of Cillian Murphy as Oppenheimer. And if you look yeah. at this guy in pictures, he's just like the 1950s. <laughs> he's from, he ha- doesn't have that facial expression ever. He probably should have, but yeah. he doesn't. And yet so, Cillian, Cillian Murphy does. Yeah, Cillian Murphy, I think, has a Thank best you. actor nom. For mm-hmm. Oscars 2024, since we're talking about shortlists, this has a VFX nom, I'm sure, locked down for 2024. It probably has original score, probably best director. We'll throw that in there, too. You can lock all those down for Oscars 2024. The only thing missing from this being a full-fledged Killian Murphy, like, lead actor resume for next year's Oscars was a scene where he's staring at his own reflection in the mirror and has that stare. I'm like, you know, what evil hath I wrought? So Jonathan Majors in the Bodybuilder movie that's premiering at Sundance. Mm-hmm. Coleman Domingo in that yep. uh, in Rustin yep, from Netflix. And now Killian, Killian Murphy, Murphy who I'm gonna, <laughs> whose name I'm going to pronounce correctly, finally. We have 60% of the lead actor field filled out based on nothing but <laughs> trailers and shots and speculation as far as we're concerned already for next year's Oscars. 
we're doing our job as an Oscars yeah. podcast. That's all I know. <laughs> Can Oppenheimer be bad, Michael? Is there a chance WB got out of the Christopher Nolan business early? Can you see any way that everybody would act in this movie for this director and it totally misses the mark? Is this too big to fail? Is there is it, is it a is it a possibility in your brain because you you seem very bullish on this after the Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer trailer? How how can it? What is what does this failing look like? I mean, they're not gonna toast after the thing blows up at any point. <laughs> they're not gonna. He's not like tonally. You could screw this up, but it, it, it's. I I would be surprised if he doesn't give it the gravitas it deserves. So like, it's not gonna do worse. Even even if you're talking about financially, it's not gonna do worse than Tenet. And Tenet was still a relative success, depending on who you ask. I don't think anyone said like. You know, it's tough to say Tenet flopped because of the conditions Tenet was released in during theaters in 2020, hmm. which uh, Nolan pushed for, which kind of led to the uh, divorce between he and WB. All right. So you're you're pretty bullish on it. Yeah, it's... I don't I don't know how this, you know, what is Christopher? If there's one director that gets tone pretty right and is able to stick to something serious and gritty. Will <laughs> there be a ticking clock in the score? Yes. <laughs> And will I think of an atomic bomb every time I have another Guinness because it looks exactly the same with the <laughs> nitro. Don't go back to rewatch Banshees of Inisherin is what you're saying. <laughs> I will. Oh my God, it's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> I will not hesitate to drink Guinness every time I rewatch Banshees of Inisherin, mm-hmm. And I apologize to nobody. Barbie, Michael. Barbie was the other big trailer, which all, which did not play before my avatar. And I was upset about that. Now, it did show up on YouTube the next day, and I was very heartened the next day because I was down. I was down. I was very heartened that we got a parody of 2001 A Space Odyssey because that's what the kids like nowadays, you see. And I have no problem (laughs) sticking it to them and forcing them to figure out what the parody is of, and I don't care. Yeah, so I uh, (laughs) take that, kids. Uh, I irresponsibly talked about shoe and Oscar noms for Oppenheimer. Let's talk about shoe and Oscar category wins. I don't know if we're looking at a best picture winner for Barbie, but I think production design is pretty well set. So. Costume design is easy, Costume right? Costume design, too. Yeah. Knock that off. So there you go. Makeup so and hair? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Gosling alone. Issa Rae having a nice hairdo. Simu Liu having a nice hairdo. So, yeah, we're talking about a couple of Oscar winners here. Can they screw this one up either? Aren't these coming out on the same day? I believe so. There's been a lot of memes on film Twitter about it. So, yeah. <laughs> I think Barbie's going to be easier to screw up than Oppenheimer, no? It did seem like it was on a sound stage. I will say that much for some of it. it you can go seem too little... far into the, you know, not another teen movie type territory with Barbie with this cast, can't you? Oh, not saying I, I don't ever would. I don't think they'd go there, right? Well, I'm saying it could become like farcical of itself. Mm. Could be. It could. It could. It, if you screw up a farce, I agree with that. So that's yeah. all right. So that's how they screw it up. Otherwise, if a bunch of white guys toast after they blow up the atomic bomb, <laughs> yes, you could screw that up as well. What are you referencing? I don't know. I'm just thinking of uh, <laughs> like you know the uh, boardroom in a, in The Simpsons with. Sp- 
uh, who's that? Mr. Burns. <laughs> you can go full Mr. Burns in the Oppenheimer, but they're not going to do that. They're not. So we're good. Uh, we have a couple minutes left. Do you want to do box office support or talk about Empire? Yeah, let's, let's talk about A2, the Fast Saga, <laughs> and how it underperformed. $434 million at the worldwide box office. And why did it underperform at the worldwide box office? Which, which is, This is a $300 million international box office rake. So this is a good rake for Avatar. Yeah, I don't know about underperform anyway. Like, Okay, so it underperformed the initial projections, which were $550 million, It underperformed it in China because well, China, had, restrictions. China had COVID. Yeah, COVID restrictions were back in effect there and... This movie's going to do over a billion, well over a billion. I think it was uh, Matt Bellany t- uh, talking about on the town how, you know, it's a shoe in to do one point whatever. If it does two, it'll be one of only five films to do two billion worldwide. And it did a, a lot of people are talking huge, about how it has the legs over Christmas and all that. Kids are going to get to it. Huge Monday. Huge Monday. So if Avatar in the Island of the Crystal Skull. How many more you got? Plays through Christmas. <laughs> I got that wrong, by the way. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Avatar and the skirmish for the At Cove of the Whales. the Scream parody and it just becomes Avatar again, like Scream 5? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just... I, look, it's it's going to be something with legs, is my guess, and therefore it's going to be probably a billion and a half. What's least. the number... That WB or is it W? Who is no, that? Disney? Who is it's Disney. It's 20th century. It's Disney? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the number? I like that I had no idea what studio made Avatar, by the way. That's how invested <laughs> in that movie I was. What's the number that makes Disney say, you know, maybe we won't do five the next 18 sequels? <sighs> Look, I, I think Cameron's in for three for sure. He's made two already. So. So three's happening no matter what. Three, if they stop making money tomorrow, three's three, happening. Oh, three's happening. Okay. It's it's done. I agree. It's almost done. They'll Then the, they'll do the VFX for it for a while. And it's called the Seed Bearer. <laughs> Is it really? I think so. Uh, I think it's called the Seed Bearer. I'll give you a Seed Bearer. <laughs> what a stupid franchise. <laughs> I get Look, the best... I know we're talking bad about it again. The best thing that happened with Avatar was James Cameron became like almost unhinged in talking to the the press about this, which I appreciated. Like there was one interview where he was like, whoever was interviewing him was talking about the visual effects not great there, and he's like, the audience doesn't care. It's literally a quote from Cameron. He's like, it just matters if the if the movie's entertaining. The audience doesn't care about visual effects. Mm. Like, great, good job. I like that. I, I can deal with unhinged James Cameron, but yeah, I'm not a fan of that movie. Uh, that's a little jarring for the fact that, uh, the only good thing about the movie to me was the visual <laughs> effects and you yep. spent fucking 20 years perfecting them. Yep. So what yeah. are you talking about? James Karen, your, your belligerence doesn't even make sense anymore. If this is his villain arc starting, I'm all for it. If he just wants to spiral downwards and become movies, Joker, I'm in. Oh God. All right. So that's avatar Farmageddon. <laughs> The Owls of Gahul and its underperformance. All right, let's make the case quick because yeah, we might as well. Because we otherwise these things are going to stack up. I saw Empire yeah. of Light. I saw Bardo. I do think there are 
some Oscar-worthy elements of those movies. Empire of Light, Olivia Coleman, Oscars-worthy. Cinematography, Oscars-worthy. Roger Deakins. I won't blame anybody for nominating those two aspects of Empire of Light. I just, like, get frustrated that the story is so generic. And it's another one. These Both these movies are just very meh for me at the end of the day. And I don't know what is the imperative to nominate them necessarily. Now, Bardo, Bardo Michael is a fascinating watch because he is very ambitious with this film. Mm -hmm. And yet this midlife crisis filmed for two hours and 40 minutes in a plot structure that in the text is explained in during the movie much better than I could ever right now. You, you know exactly what he's doing in the text and people got very upset at him because I think it is a bit abrasive and it's not fun. Like he's putting all his anxieties on film. It's nightmare fuel and many a, a, a sequence. And then he gets far too one happy where he's just one after one after one mm. And it's Mr. Jimenez Cacho just walking around for much of the movie. <laughs> and you're just like, stop walking around. I know you're doing cool shit with the shadows, but this is boring as hell because he's just walking around and that's not a good pacing issue. Like just keep going a mile a minute. Like what's wrong? Cause he's got like some, some fun scenes that are just snappy and wild and I love them. And then he's just got these boring ass scenes of just the main character walking around. If you had to recommend one of those two to somebody, what would you recommend more? Oh, God. I mean, Empire of Light is a fine time on a Sunday morning using my A-list. Michael Ward's very good. Colin, Colin uh, Firth is, is good. Toby Jones, his character's annoying, but he's... I mean, I'm all in for the cinema propaganda. I love going to the cinema. I go there all the time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people might know this about me. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so would be Empire of Light. But yeah, I mean, look at. I I would wonder if you'd like to watch Bardo or rewatch The Fablemans. Like, what is more likely to happen for you? That is a good question. My instinct is to say <laughs> rewatching The Fablemans. Yeah, but I have nothing to base that. They both sound like terrible ideas to me. <laughs> but these are both like CC plus stories anyway. Right. So I'm like, all right. Uh, I did watch the eternal daughter, which is Tilda Swinton in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. The start of the movie. I'm asking that myself this because it's Tilda Swinton talking to Tilda Swinton. She's playing her, her and her mother characters in this okay. movie. And I'm like, how much Tilda Swinton is too much Tilda Swinton? And many prominent filmmakers have asked this question over the past few years, Michael. <laughs> Luca Guadagnino, Pedro Motovar, a pitch at Pong, we're at the Sockle, and now Joanna Hogg. And she's finally answered the question. That's what I'm thinking most of the movie. And then, because this was too much Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there's this one great scene, and it's so great. And then I'm like... You know what this movie could have used more of, Michael? <laughs> Tilda Swinton? Tilda Swinton. Like, she is the cowbell of Hollywood. So Tilda Swinton is the Parmesan cheese that the waiter comes over and grates fresh onto your salad. <laughs> and it's just never enough, even though you lactose intolerant. You know what I just rewatched? Yeah. You know what I just rewatched is Caddyshack, and he goes, do you need any more butter? <laughs> And she, she's like got a whole mound of butter <laughs> next to her thing. She's like, well, if you need any, I got some more. 
such a stupid movie, but funny. Anyway, those are my make the cases. I make the case for none of them. Michael, you saw the Banshees of Innis Sharon, and I need you to give me a review right now because this is a movie that you liked. It's the feel bad movie of the year. Many have said this. <laughs> so this is the quintessential Mike one. It's good. Movie. It's a really good movie. I gave it a B plus 87. There were some inappropriate moments that I like cackled laughing at. That's and cool. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what I'm watching. Like, am yeah. I watching just an Irish folk tale or am I watching an actual accounting of these two friends like happening in real life? I'm not exactly sure, but I, I am surprised that Colin Farrell has been praised as mightily as he has for his performance. Because to me, the two performances that jump off screen most were mm. um, mm-hmm. Carrie, Carrie Condon and Barry Keegan. Absolutely. Those two. Mm-hmm. Love I them. mean, the, the, those I can throw my weight behind completely. I haven't seen The Whale yet, but I, I mean, if you're going to talk Colin Farrell versus Austin Butler head to head, I don't understand that at all. I'm very surprised that this Colin Farrell performance actually kind of reminds me mm-hmm. in the same way that Kate Blanchett and Tar kind of does too. Like those remind me of performances that you and I would typically get behind that the Academy would end up overlooking because they're more like they're not as expressive and overly emotional. Mm-hmm. So you're basically saying that we have set the trends that now become the front runners yeah. in Oscar categories. That's exactly what I'm saying. Based on yes. our preferences. Correct. And they are finally... Coming around to the way right. we think. However, we are still steps ahead of them. Yep. And therefore, now we're circling back around to the performance that uh, will probably get and snubbed at the end of the day. we get Avatar 8, Jason Takes Manhattan nominated <laughs> at these things. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> Did you realize that the War for the Planet of the Apes writer wrote avatar i did i did know that. why yes. didn't you tell me this then why didn't you tell me this uh <laughs> mike i need i don't know, know if you were there for that review <laughs> that was not a re- that was a review was for me <laughs> <laughs> but you like the banshees of indus sharon the I, I, saddest I, I, effing movie in the i history. very much enjoyed it i mean <laughs> and look at i'm not saying it ends necessarily that way because it, it does keep you guessing for a while and it's a bit and it's bittersweet or it's ambiguous which is the point right so very the ending we're not going to spoil a lot of questions no it asks a lot of questions that i wasn't expecting it to i thought the movie was going to end up going in a completely different direction so there is that i mean it's a nice surprise even though it's it is for a normal person depressing yes that martin mcdonough though he can write he could write himself he's got i mean by the way Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, director shoo absolutely needs to be nominated oh you think so i was i i, I mean, was what wondering... is he working with here he's working with with four people and a hill and a, a small building and he's getting that story out of it i was wondering where we'd give him the credit though would we give him the credit in in the screenplay category instead i, I mean it could be either or but i just think you know degree of difficulty and how much we applaud it like this was like if you took basically what well, you had to work with in Lamb and made it an Oscars-worthy picture. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I give a lot of credit to McDonough's directing for that. I mean, getting those performances out of all four of those main players and having basically two settings to do it all in. So here's how I would describe the Banshees of Inn and Sharon. 
the hardest movie to recommend during the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> it depends the, on how you feel about your family. <laughs> in the history of family gatherings, right? It could be very cathartic if you hate your family. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> We did it, though. I got through it somehow. Yeah. No, you were right. I was wrong. I thought we'd have to chop those <laughs> off at the end like some fingers, but you nailed it. Once in a while. Once in a while, I have a, a, a sense of the timing of the episodes. Usually, I'm like, eh, this will take like a half hour, just a little half episode, and then we do two hours. Which uh, Which Avatar sequel name were you most proud to come up with? Well, I didn't really come up with any of these. <laughs> the the one that made me laugh the hardest when I went through my list was subsequent movie film. <laughs> Avatar subsequent movie film, calling it that, really gave me joy. The Owls of Gahul was good. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, look at No movie has had more sequelitis than Avatar The Way of Water. Like, they just redid the same fucking things in the first one. Which gave, again... You would have hated this movie so much more if you had to sit through the first one now. I realize yeah. that now. Yeah. Even though I'm still very upset with you that your rationalization, being an Oscar pundit and being a box office expert, yeah, you somehow talked yourself into the fact that I am not going to watch quantifiably, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a word, the most popular movie in the history of the world. That this the, and let me ask that actually shocks you. How you could do that and then have the audacity <laughs> to make the argument against me? <laughs> like I was, I have never been more just you in a. Angry. I was in a huff. Yeah, yeah what you were. what many people call uh, in British porn. <laughs> As we know, you've been studying up. In a huff. Can you imagine if this is some listener's first episode of MMO? <laughs> like, we're getting to the point where all we do is wax poetic about our old episodes. I'm like, I mean, we're basically like Rick and Morty right now. <laughs> we're we're completely <laughs> shot. We've come in how many multiversal issues? Yeah, we're... <laughs> And 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 we just talked about our our demise, and we didn't even mm-hmm. mention it. Like, who do do we still go with the tagline? We're both blending Gleason. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what I said to you. When the first thing I texted Mike when I was watching Banshees, I was like, "So this is just an actual like scene by scene factual accounting of how MMO ends, right? <laughs> like, this is the end of our podcast. It's going down in this way." I I, I don't think there's any avoiding. I think yeah. we know that going in. And as long as we're good with all the uh, discussions about donkey shite <laughs> or little pony shite and Guinness, I mean, I'm good. I'm good if you're good. F e c k i n apostrophe. We still got a lot of good years left. A lot of good pint. A lot of good pints with me. With me. Uh, what do they call each other? They're friend. They don't call friend friends. They don't say friend. Oh, I couldn't understand half the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could not. Was, I, I liked it. I liked that they didn't slow it down either, but there were some times I had to rewind it. Like, I love what? these characters so much, though. The Banshees of Sharon. the pain of that movie is because you come to love the character so much. He does he does a wonderful job. You liked Brendan Gleeson's character? I still did. I still did because of 
Yes, I mean we're not getting into spoilers, but yes, that's the that's the brilliance of that Moody screenplay. Prick. I agree, I agree, but he still refuses to assassinate himself. And if you're going to talk about like Killian Murphy staring his way into an Oscar nomination, Barry Hogan does the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, he, I cannot say enough good things about him. He's the, so talented. Yeah. All right. Well. As always, what matters most to us, dear <laughs> listeners, are your thoughts. Have you seen Banshees of Inisherance on HBO Max right now? Uh, can't believe we're talking this much about HBO Max in one episode without talking about Zasloff, but there you go. Have you seen uh, Bardo, or did you see Empire of Light? What are your thoughts on any of the Oscar shortlists that came out today? What are, your, what are you most offended by the snub of? What are you most excited to see get through? Did you see the Oppenheimer and or Barbie trailers? We want to know your thoughts about those, as well as your thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all of those, as always, on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or a Spotify app. If you appreciate what we do here, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to each and every one of you who have done so thus far. Michael, uh, what are some words of wisdom? And genuinely, what's coming next? Because I'm not sure. Are we recording before Christmas again? Probably not, right? I would imagine. What's coming next is five Guinnesses and a sleep <laughs> for me. I don't know. Like, we could, we could. We could. I mean, we got Friday if you want to do nah, it. Uh, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I don't know. I can't Friday. Saturday, family, I think. What's Saturday? Bullshit. I don't know. Saturday's Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. Yeah, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve might be tough. So yeah, maybe we can't. Uh, Babylon comes out. The whale comes out. Women talking comes out. So we'll have plenty to discuss the next time we do record. We're also thinking about pushing some end of the year things to the forefront. But uh, we got actual a, end of the year. Yeah. yeah, we got. I think we'll have more fun with it. If we do it now, even if we don't see quite so many, quite as many movies before we do the Mike, Mike and Oscars, before we do our top 10 films of the year. But I I think some once in a while, maybe the trends could work because it it always feels clunky to just like jam in the Mike, Mike and Oscars right before or after the Oscars. We're always like, Jesus, right? That should be a fun. We got to do a better job, too, of asking people to send us categories. I mean, it's been the pandemic really put a screw into that, but the last couple of years. All right, well, let's ask them. Couple, yeah, we gotta do that. Woj, also mom, <laughs> also mom, whoever's our, still listening, all our listener base of three people. Yep, David Long, please, <laughs> if you guys send us seventeen categories each, and thank you for the for the half a million plus listeners from four of you, by the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> You get they hit play and again and doing again and God's again. work out there. Appreciate it. No, we really, we really appreciate. Words of wisdom, you just said it right there. We we reached a milestone. It's really fun. It's it's it means a lot and it's it's validation and it's uh, it's the only thing keeping my ego <laughs> at a at a respectable level. So I appreciate that, guys. When reality sucks, you can come keep your ego at a respectable level with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards easy year round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya.